Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Yeah, hey, uh, last week, you know, we, we kicked things off. Last week, it was the first Sunday of 2021, and I always think it's a good idea to kick off the new year and to cast vision. Like, God, what's, what's your direction for us as a church for the year? So last week, we took some time to talk about, uh, you, you know, uh, the vision for 2021, but we also talked about, um, and we took time to reflect on 2020 and what it revealed about the church and what it revealed about the believers in the church. And we decided collectively that we're going to recommit ourselves to being authentic Jesus followers, right? I think what 2020 revealed about the church is maybe the church didn't have some healthy disciples. Maybe we just were filling up churches with people full of churches that just like church. I think it called into question, are we really following Jesus? So when life, when the winds and waves of life hit, when it gets inconvenient, do we stay steadfast, Right? I shared these verses in, in kind of congruency with that thought, and it says this, Colossians 2, verse 6 through 7. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him, follow him, follow him. But I love verse 7, and it says, let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. I asked you guys this question last week, but what does it even look like for our lives to be built on Jesus? What does it look like for my life and for your life to be built on Jesus? Does our devotion and commitment to to Jesus and to being a Jesus follower, does it dictate the decisions, my thoughts and actions that I'm presented with every single day? The things that I watch, the things that I listen to, the way I carry myself at work, my integrity at work, the way I treat my spouse, even when my spouse is acting cray, okay? Which my wife never does, of course, you know? But seriously, when, when people mistreat me, how do I respond? Right? How do, how do I carry myself as I walk through the aisles of Walmart? Does Jesus dictate that? Is our life built on him? Are, are, are we rooted in Christ Jesus? It says, when, when we do that, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and will overflow with thankfulness. There was another verse I shared last week that I wanted to touch on again. I pulled it from the second chapter of 1 Peter. And, and he tells us this. He says, get rid of all evil behavior. Say all. It says, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like you notice some of these things and it's like, some of y'all have said unkind things this morning. I was transparent to enough that the Holy Spirit was convicting me. I have to stop calling my wife Klutz McGee, okay? Because that was unkind. Hey, I know, you know, maybe it's more obvious for some of us, but for me, it wasn't as obvious that I shouldn't be doing that. So pray for your pastor. (laughs) You know, some of these things, it's not like murder. You know, it's not like in that list. It's not like we see like adultery. It's deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. But he's saying, get rid of all these things. And he says like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Now he says, get rid of all these evil things, all these evil behaviors. If you think they're big evil things or small evil things, it doesn't matter. Get rid of all evil things. Get rid of all that and crave pure spiritual milk. Crave purity in your lives. Crave the pure things of God. But why? He goes on to say, because when we do, 
you will grow into a full experience of your salvation. And believers, I wonder if there's some of us who were living in the 10% of the experience of our salvation and God has so much more. He has, he has, he, he has uh, he's gifted you in certain ways and wants to use you and do things in you and through you. And I think some of us were so content to just come in here Right and, and listen to worship and, and get a couple of goosebumps during worship and think, ooh, I felt God and it was powerful, you know? And it's like, but what if, what if God, what if there was an intimacy we could achieve in a life that we could live where we have intimacy and relationship with God like that every single day? I think some of us are missing out on the full experience of our salvation. There's more to be had. I want myself and y'all living in the more that God has for us. I want us to experience the fullness of our salvation. Amen? Amen. And we found there's a real calling on the life of a believer to mature spiritually. Like we will grow up and we will age. Pastor Mark will get wrinkles. My, my knees will hurt. My joints will hurt. I will, you know, as I get older, I will fall apart. In this aging process, I will grow up and there's nothing that can stop it. It's nature taking its force. But our spiritual maturity, even though I will age and my body will grow, my spirit doesn't grow that way. We, we see in the scriptures that, you, you can write this down, spiritual transformation is going to take spiritual training. Spiritual transformation is going to take spiritual training. In the same way we got to change our physique, it's going to take training to strengthen our physique. It's going to take spiritual training to strengthen and transform your spirit. Amen? Proverbs 21, 31, it says this. It says, prepare the horse for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Prepare the horse for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. What that tells me is, I know that might sound confusing, but God's sovereign. God's provision is at work. The victory belongs to the Lord. But there is a calling and a responsibility on me to prepare my horse for the day of battle. Right? I, I think what that's saying is, a simple way to put it is, act like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God. Right? There's a calling, guys, we, we, to grow, to live this life in a way that honors God, to live holy, to devote ourselves to spiritual disciplines. I, I love this verse. This is a verse I've shared often, but it's near and dear to my heart. You guys know a few years back, I, I, you know, I was, got up close to about 300 pounds, and I just decided, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about this, and kind of went through a physical transformation, lost like 60 pounds in six months. And, and this was a verse that I, that I clung to in that season, and it's almost like I understood it better because because of all the work and discipline that would, went into experiencing that transformation. It's 1 Timothy 4.8. I don't even got to look at it. It says, physical training is of some benefit, but training in righteousness is beneficial for this life and the next. Or training in godliness is beneficial for this life and the next. There's benefits to training our spirits. There, there's benefits to spiritual training. If we're going to experience spiritual transformation, we have to train. We have to train. Are you training in godliness? There's another verse out of 1 Peter that just echoes this thought. You'll see it, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. It says, so prepare. Everyone say prepare. prepare. Your minds for action and exercise. Everyone say exercise. Come on, these are words that are, it's us putting our faith into action. They're not just falling into place. It's not just like, I'll, I'll stand here and wait for you to sprinkle sparkles on me, God. Go ahead. Let the transformation take place. It's not the way it goes. It's not the way it looks. 
I, I see there's a calling for us to put our faith to our feet, to put our faith to action. So, so this verse says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Work it out. Someone say, work it out. Come on, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires, right? Come on, you left the club. Don't go back to the club, right? You didn't know any better then, but now you do. Now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Amen, you must be holy just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. We're representing Jesus everywhere we go, but we also carry Jesus everywhere we go. You and me, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. God's presence is at work within us, right? It's time we start living like it. If if our spiritual transformation is gonna take spiritual training, I think we need to learn, okay, how do I spiritually train then? What do I gotta do? Because we don't want to be like those people in the gym fail videos at Planet Fitness where they're doing something with a machine. And you're like, you're doing everything but getting your muscles stronger, okay? I don't know what, what, what that is, but that is not a workout. And, you know, I, I want us to be well-equipped. So I think part of the purpose of this kind of this series and, you know, we're going to, the next three Wednesdays, we're going to meet here as a church, the adults. We're going to link up with our youth. We're going to have midweek prayer services. It's going to be powerful. Please come out and pray and worship with us. And we're just going to continue drilling home prayer and fasting. Today, we start 21 days of prayer and fasting. And these are spiritual disciplines. So I want us to be well-equipped. I want us to have the right form so we can get strong, right? So we can transform our spirit. I wanna make sure we know how to pray in this room. I wanna make sure we know how to fast in this room. And I believe that there will be transformation that takes place in us as we do it, okay? It's a long intro, but that's the intro. I'ma pray, and then we'll talk about prayer. Amen? Is that okay? Let's pray. Jesus, God, as we're gathered together here, united in thought and purpose, I just pray right now you till the soil of our hearts. God, I I pray as the seed of your word goes forth, it'd land on our hearts, it'd take root, it'd grow to produce fruit in our lives. I really don't want to be a room full of uh, believers who just listens to your word but never applies it. God, we want to live out your truths. Help us to be doers of your word. Your word says when we just listen and don't do your word, we're deceiving ourselves. Help us to become authentic Jesus followers. Transform us. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if someone was to ask me, Pastor Mark, what do you think prayer is? Define prayer. What what does it look like? I think a pretty common answer that you you might get from a lot of people, prayer is just talking to God, just having a conversation with God. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Matter of fact, when I was like 15 or 16 years old, I took that so literally that I would start off my conversations, start off my prayer with God. Hey, God, uh, it's me. How you been, man? Just checking on you. I know a lot of people probably don't ask you how you're doing, so I just want to ask you how you're doing, you know? Yeah, it's hard being the spiritual guys, but. (laughs) But I think even more than just having a conversation with God, I think prayer's even, I I think it's even deeper than that. I think prayer, really what it is, it's, it's creating space to commune with God. It's almost like I think about two people sitting in a car and they're, and they're going on a trip and man, it's, it's just good to be around each other. And you might say something to 
them. They might say something to you. But even just being together, we enjoy this, you know? And I think, I think that's really what prayer is, where I don't want us to confine and put prayer in a box of prayers just when I, when I talk to God. Man, I think prayer can be a lot more intimate than that. Putting yourself in a posture, in a position to receive from the Lord, to talk with the Lord, to hear from the Lord, spend time with him. You know, God created us in such a way that we become who we hang out with most. We become like who we hang out with most. We become most like the company we most closely keep. And that's just the way we're wired. And we see that's, I mean, that's biblical truth. You can look in the Proverbs and it says, if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. You can look in the Proverbs and it says, if you hang out with someone who's easily angered, you too will be tempted to be easily angered as well. Because who we hang around with shapes and molds our character. Corinthians says bad company corrupts good character. Who I hang out with is imperative to the development of my character, right? So if we're going to experience transformation in 2021, we have to be so intentional about who are we surrounding ourselves with, especially teens in the room. Teens, you got to be so careful with, because I, I think when you're in school, you just sit back and we just let, and this is for, with a lot of us even, adults too, you get into the workplace and what I think we so often do is we just, whoever's nice to me, that's who's going to be my friend. And I think we forget that we have the ability to intentionally select who we surround ourselves with. You don't just have to let your community come to you. You can select, man, I, man I, they're pursuing the Lord. I, I see things I like in them, their character. I want to I wanna insert myself into their lives. I want them to be a, a, a part of me. It's, it's so intentional about who we surround ourselves with. Even more than that, I, I think it begs this question, something we have to ask ourselves. If we, if we conform, if our character is shaped and molded by the people we spend the most time with, are we being intentional to constantly commune with Jesus? If we're gonna be like Jesus, we gotta spend time with Jesus, right? Every single day day. Is Jesus some of the closest community we keep, right? If, if, if who we hang out with is going to transform our character, it's a question we got to ask. We got to ask, you know, prayer is this, and I think that's why prayers is so important in our, in our lives as Jesus followers, because prayer is this active pursuit of conversation and community with God. So if I had to define what is prayer, it's this active pursuit of conversation and community with God. That's what I think prayer is. Um, and I think part of the reason we don't always prioritize prayer is because we have confined what it's supposed to look like. It has to look a certain way, and then it becomes burdensome, and it's like, oh, this task I have to do. And um, we think it has to look a certain way. So I want to take some time this morning to talk about a couple of practical things related to prayer. Uh, but before I do, I, I, I want to touch on this psalm who's written by King David. Y'all know King David, familiar with King David, shepherd boy turned to giant slayer, giant slayer turned to king, king turned to adulterer, right, murderer, and then back through it. It's like, you know, David was, uh, David had a, a, a lot of titles. He even would break dance naked here and there, you know, I don't know, just he, he was a worshiper. Um, David was a lot of things, had a lot of titles, was really gifted, right? Really, really loved the Lord, also was broken and wrestled with his humanity. But I think that's what resonates with us so much about David. 
My favorite title David gets is actually given to him by God. In Acts 13, we see God says, uh, they're talking about it, and it says that God removed Saul as king and planned to put David there as king because David was a man after my own heart, and he'd do the things I'd ask him to do. God himself calls David a man after God's own heart. That tells me David deeply desired community with God. He deeply desired to have a relationship with God. But I think what resonates with us so much about David is, you know, he, he, he loves God. And in a year of, you know, 2021, where we are emphasizing being transformed by God and knowing him better and being a better Jesus follower, we're like, yeah, David, we, we are after God's own heart too. That's us. We deeply desire greater intimacy with God. We want that. But we also wrestle with our humanity. Amen. I, I think, or maybe I, I'm the only one, but it's like, man, God, I want to serve you. I want to be close with you. I want great intimacy with you, but I also love sin. I'm broken, right? It's like Paul talks about, why do I do the things I don't want to do? It's like, I, it's almost like I can't help it, right? But there's a lesson as, as I look at David's life, and it's this. You can write it down if you're taking notes to not let your messes keep you from the mission of pursuing Jesus. Don't let your messes keep you from the mission of pursuing Jesus. So all that taken into consideration, understanding the author, understanding who wrote it. I, I want to read just a couple of verses out of Psalm 5. And uh, because it's David, you know, this incredible man of God who, yeah, wrestled with his humanity and was broken, but also experienced God in some uh, just miraculous, divine, incredible ways, he writes a little bit about prayer. And this is what he says. Oh, Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Verse three, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. I want to break down these three verses here. He says, oh, Lord, hear me as I pray and pay attention to my groaning. And, and I think the principle here is whether it's words or it's sighs, right? Whether it's audible sounds or it's inner thoughts, God hears. And this is prayer. This is part of communing with God. Like, God, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Man. You, you know where I'm at. And you know, you know what I'm going through. I don't even got it, God. I, you know, I, I think sometimes we, we come in there and say, God, I pray for my mom and my dad. And it's like, you know what? I think sometimes don't, don't have such an agenda. I love David's freedom to not even have an agenda. He's like, God, you hear my groanings. When I don't have words, you're there. Whatever it is, bring it to God. And then verse two, it says, listen to my cry for help, my king and my God. Notice David calls him my king and my God. He says, for I pray to you and no one else. And I think it's so interesting that David gives God these two titles that he addresses them in these two ways because he calls him my king. Like he's sovereign. He's Lord of all. He's majestic. He, he's the creator of the universe. He's beyond me, right? But then he calls him my God. And it's this word that's equivalent with Abba, which actually means father. And he's like, but God, you're my father. You take care of me. You care about my, my well-being. And you're there as, as comfort. And you're the supplier of all my needs. You're my king and my God. There's nobody like you. I'm not going to talk to anybody else. But you, I pray to no one else but you because you're the only one who can intervene, right? 
And then verse three, he says, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. And each morning I bring my request to you and I wait with expectancy. I wait expectantly. I love how David, there's a lesson here. Make your request known, big or small. Nothing's too silly. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. Lay your request before the Lord, but wait with expectancy. You know, it's one of the core values of our church. One of the first things we say we are is we are expectant. As, as I read this and I see that David waits expectantly, David understands that when he prays, things happen. That's why he's waiting expectantly. He goes, when I talk to God, it has the ability to shift things and move things. And I can't explain it all, but I wait with expectancy knowing that God's able and capable of doing something in relation to what I just prayed about. He waits with expectation. There's a lot there. So as we're going into 21 days of of prayer and fasting, I really just want to lay down really briefly, not going to spend a whole lot of time. Again, we're going to talk a lot about prayer over this next month, but just like four practical things that we get from the scriptures related to our prayer life, four practical things we should incorporate to our prayer life. I think it would be fruitful to do so. Here's number one. Pray Pray to God with honesty. Pray to God with honesty in that same vein of the life of David. We talked a little bit about it, but David is supposed to be at war, but he's hanging out on his balcony, skipping out on his responsibilities and his duties, and uh, looks over the ledge. He sees a girl taking a bath, and he's like, mm, I like what I see. He sends somebody to get her. He, you know, he finds out the details. He finds out this is one of his soldier's wives, and you know, he still decides to go ahead and, and make moves and pursue her, even though he shouldn't. And, you know, he goes through this, you know, maybe we're familiar with the story. This is Bathsheba, and, you know, he, he sends the, her husband out to war to have kills. So David's an adulterer and a murderer, ba- murderer, basically, at this point. But something I think is so interesting is in Psalm 51, we see David's response to God in this season after making these bad decisions. How many times have you made a bad decision and instead of come to God with it, it's like, oh, I got to get away from God. I can't, I can't step into his presence, right? We allow our messes to stop the mission. David never let his messes st- stop the mission of pursuing God. So in, right after making that bad decision, here's his response in Psalm 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But then verse 6, he says this. But you desire honesty from the womb. God wants us to be honest. Man, regardless of what's gone on, regardless of where you are, regardless of what you've done, whether you're excited or you feel guilty, whether you're scared or you're ashamed, whether you're joyful or whatever you're experiencing or feeling, come to God with how you really feel, with who you really are. You're not going to scare him away, okay? He's our creator. Come to God with honesty and transparency in your heart. Is that okay? Number one, be honest with God. Number two, pray about everything. Someone say everything. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says this, don't worry about anything. Where's my worriers in the room? You're like, man, I worry. I just, I worry. Here's my word for you. It's from the Lord. Stop it, okay? What we need to do instead, 
the worry isn't bad because the worry is actually for us, it's, um, it's like a telltale sign of, I need to pray. I feel worried. Ah, I need to pray. Because this says, don't worry. It says, turn your worries into prayers. If we pay attention to our worrying, then we could have a really good prayer life, wor- worriers. Anyways, let's go on. Don't worry. I didn't say warriors. I said warriors, okay? But you can turn into warriors if you pray, amen? All right, so here we go. Don't worry. That was corny. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Your hamster died and you're sad. Maybe you can relate. Pray about it. Going through a hard time, pray about it. You know, th- things are good. I-, I-, I love this. It says pray about everything. Nothing's excluded. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. In the worst of situations, when you're more worried, when you're more hurt, when you're more depressed, whenever it might be, wherever you find yourself, it says pray about everything. And God will give us peace that exceeds anything. God will give us peace that we don't even understand. And, and maybe it's not that the situation changes, but he gives you peace to walk through the situation. And ultimately, sometimes that's why we want to see the situation change so we can experience the peace. But God surpasses the circumstance. He can give us peace in the middle of the circumstance. He's, he's so good. Yeah, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Because think about it. The enemy can shake things around you, Right? The, the enemy can, can stir up trouble around you, but if we can have peace through the storms that come from him, man, we've stripped him of his power, amen? Okay, number three. So number one, come to God with honesty. Two, pray about everything. Number three, pray all the time. Someone say all the time. All the time. Really short verse here, but it gets the point across. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, it says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Listen, if you're in this room and days go by where you don't pray, you need to pray every day, if not multiple times a day. And maybe that looks like for you, carving out time. You know, when I do this, this is my prayer time. Or when I get in the car, this is my prayer time. When I take my shower in the morning, that is my prayer box right there, okay? I don't know what, how, fit it in, get it in. We need to pray every day, all the time. Never stop praying, okay? Persistent prayer is effective prayer. Never stop praying. Keep on asking. Keep pursuing the Lord. And then here's number four. So that's it. So pray uh, continuously. Never stop praying. Pray all the time. And then number four, we're going to talk a little bit more um, on this Wednesday specifically. Kim, if you wouldn't mind coming to the keys. But this Wednesday, we're going to have a service here. It starts at 630. Man, I really want to see you guys there. I would love for everybody to come out for us to pray together. I think it will be powerful. And we're going to talk about on how we can hear, uh, better hear the voice of the Lord. But number four is we got to learn to listen. we got to learn to listen. Comes back to this, not just conversating with God, right, but communing with God, putting ourselves in a, in a position to hear from the Lord. God's speaking. And he speaks through his Holy Spirit. There's a verse in Acts, I, I talked about this last week, but Acts 13, 2, it says, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, it's talking about a group of elders in the church. It says, as this group of men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were praying and fasting and worshiping the Lord, okay? Take note of that. They were praying 
and fasting and worshiping the Lord, what happens? The Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. While they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. An atmosphere of worship, prayer, and fasting is an atmosphere in which God loves to speak and respond. So as we step into this 21 days of fasting as a church and praying as a church, expect God to speak to you. Expect God to speak to you. Expect vision to come into your heart. Expect, expect addictions to, to fall off your life. Right? Expect re- relationships to be restored. Expect bodies to be healed. Expect infertility to turn to fertility. Okay. Expect the baby. Whatever it might be, as we pray and as we fast, God moves. God speaks and God responds. I believe that prayer and fasting creates an atmosphere in which miracles more easily happen. There's, there's something that increases the effectiveness of our prayers when we combine our prayer with fasting. It's like we supercharge our prayers. I, re- I really believe it. So today, we've, we've talked about spiritual transformation is going to take spiritual training. And then we talked about how spiritual training looks a lot like an aggressive commitment to spiritual disciplines. Y'all with me? Okay. And then we two spiritual disciplines we're going to emphasize as, as we talk about this is prayer and fasting. And for the next 21 days, starting today, we are committing to prayer and fasting. Here's what I want us to do as a church. I think every year we say to the church, you pray about what you need to fast about and you give that up. Maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's caffeine, whatever it might be. And and sometimes we get around to it, sometimes we don't, and we just kind of throw it out there and leave it to you. But I think there's something that unites people. I think there's something that knits people together when people suffer together, it, it brings us close, right? There's a camaraderie that's built. When, when you get with a, with a group of people and you guys suffer the same thing together, that'll bring you close, right? So the, every Wednesday, as we have these prayer services leading up to the prayer service, from sunup to sundown, we're calling the entire church to full fast. And what that means is no food, just water, just water on Wednesdays. And then, you know, fasting has been a huge part of Abigail and I's spiritual journey and, you know, and, and making different moves in the ministry and, and trying to be sensitive to where God was leading us. I, I remember the whole reason we're at Destiny Church. We literally, we, we, we said, man, we were at this small little church and uh, we felt like the Lord was kind of moving us out. We didn't know where it was. And we said, let's, let's pray and fast. Let's pray and fast and figure it out. We prayed and fasted for 21 days. And in 21 days, I met a kid who worked at a church. He got me an interview. I had another interview and accepted the job at Destiny Church all within those 21 days. Like it was crazy. And it's stuff like that has happened often. I think, man, fasting is powerful. And a lot of testimonies like that. I remember I was um, preaching on this about a year ago. I think it was just last year. And I talked about how this, this idea of fasting, giving something up and worship to the Lord, it should hurt. It should hurt. Your flesh should be burning a little. It should sting a little. There should be a little suffering with it. It's worship, right? If it, if it doesn't sting, it's, it's not fasting, right? And, and so I remember it was the Dre's. They were in here. This is a family in our church. And she goes, man, I, I don't even really remember much of what Pastor Mark said, but I just, I know he said that when, when you fast, it's, it's supposed to hurt. 
And this is a couple who had been really suffering with infertility, trying and trying and seeing doctors and medical professionals and trying to figure out, you know, how, how they can have a baby. And she said, we've spent so much time trying to conceive. We put so much effort and energy into trying to have a baby. That's going to be the thing we give up for 21 days. They said, I'm going to hand that over to God. That's the thing we want. That's the area we want breakthrough in. That's the need I'm bringing before the Lord. But we're going to lay that down for 21 days. And God has such a sense of humor. It's so funny. You know, she told this story on stage. They had one slip up over that 21 days, you know? And that was, she got pregnant off the one slip up. And now we got a little baby in here on Sunday mornings. God's graceful. So, so here's, what I'm, here's what I was thinking. You know, something I really have a heart for, just me personally, if you guys have kind of thought about some of your, uh, you know, goals you want for the year and things you want to accomplish this year and, and things God's put in your heart. And one thing for me is the staff of DCM, I want to be super intentional to surround and unite and tie us together. And I thought, man, we got to kick off the year and we got to fast together. And I want to see breakthrough in our staff's life and in our relationships and in, in their spiritual life. So I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to ask them, I'm not going to make them, but, but I'm going to, but I'm going to ask them to do a liquids only fast with me for 21 days because I want us to suffer together. I want us to suffer together. I, I, I want to I come in and be like, Dool, you all right? And him be like, nah. And I'm like, me either. You know, like this is not good. I, I want us to suffer together. And, but, I, but I believe that God will respond. I believe that God will answer quickly. And if the leaders of the church are healthy, then the people of the church are going to be healthy. And so, so this is what's in my heart. And then I got to thinking, you know, I, I want them to experience that, but I'm the shepherd of this house. And I don't just want the staff of DCM to experience it. I want everybody to experience it. And I got to thinking, I'm like, Lord, should I ask the church to join with me too and, and give that invitation? And, you know, it wasn't the Lord, but everyone else is like, no, no, we don't want to do that. So I, I invited first service, and I'm going to invite you guys. Let's suffer together. I want to invite you guys on a 21-day journey with me to pray and to fast and only drink liquids. Here's the only rule. If you can get it through a straw, you can have it. Trust me. I don't know if this is appropriate to say or not, but you don't escape the suck on a liquids, liquids only fast, okay? You know, it, it, it's, it's going to hurt regardless. I don't care if you blend up a cheeseburger and drink it. it, it it's going to be bad. So uh, it's going to be bad. But you know what? I, I, I'm believing we're going to see more, more testimonies and more miracles and more breakthroughs. And I believe God will respond in a powerful way if we, now if, if you don't want to do it, man, I'm not judging you. This is an invite that I threw out there, but I do. Like, you know, and, and I wrestle with this thought of, ah, it might be too hard. There's probably people who have never fasted. And it's like, man, there's one way to get better at it, just to do it. You know, and I just like, you know, I know, I know it's challenging. It's a hard thought, but y'all need to be challenged. I need to be challenged. Do we want to transform or not? Like we need, we, we need to grow. Here's what I want to leave you with. Praying and fasting, it intensifies our prayers. So here's what I do want you to prayerfully and thoughtfully consider. Think about your life. Everyone close your eyes for a second just to focus in. What's, what's going on in your life right now? What are you discouraged about? What are you, what are you frustrated about? What's giving you great joy? 
you know, what's, what's something you'd really love to see the Lord do in, in your life? Doesn't mean you're not content. Doesn't mean you're unhappy, but you would love to see the Lord move in this area. A couple examples. Maybe it's a promotion at work. Maybe you're selling your house or something. And it's like, what's, what's the next move for us? Come on, maybe it's a relationship you want to see restored. What is it? You know, I don't know. Maybe it's a relationship with, you, with your kid or Maybe it's, uh, you know, an addiction that you need to break and nobody even knows about it, but but you want to see it broken over this fast. You guys can open your eyes as you contemplate and as you think on that. I think when we pray and when we fast, it's, I think there's a good chance that there's breakthroughs ahead of you. And I think the the Lord is is, going to intervene. I think we're going to have testimonies from this fast. But also something I want to encourage you with, maybe you're wrestling for something for yourself and the Lord's putting someone else's situation in your heart, someone else's situation in your head. There's a story in Mark chapter 2 where there's this guy who's paralyzed on a mat and a group of friends hears that Jesus is in town or he's in the town over or whatever. So they're like, hey, bro, we're going we're gonna to bring you over to Jesus. He's going he's gonna to get you right. He's going to get your body to work again. So, so they bring this guy <clears throat> and they, you know, there's a long line to in, into the house to get with Jesus. So they climb up on top of the house and they rip the roof off and they drop their friend down pff, right in front of Jesus. And, and the story is so good. It's one of my favorite stories. It, it, it's because it says that Jesus saw their faith and forgave his sins and then he healed them. I, I think there's something about we can intercede on behalf. Our faith can affect the people around us. Our our faith can shift things for the people around us. Our our faith can make way for the people around us. So maybe the Lord's asking you to intervene on someone or you wanna wanna fast in place uh, of something. Just prayerfully, thoughtfully consider. But, But here's what I wanna leave you with. Jesus, we talked about this last week, because of everything God's done for you, give your lives to him as a holy and living sacrifice. God's made a way for us. He's shifted our eternity. He's washed away our sin. He's given us everything we could never earn and we don't deserve, and he's made it readily readily accessible to us. We can now enter his presence boldly, right? We can give up 21 days for considering all he's done for us. We can give up 21 days. We can give him 21 days of sacrifice and worship. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.